0: Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's d-h-a-r-m-a-media.com. Welcome back and happy new year. And Z back in the saddle in 2023. Excited to have another year talking about conversations, talking about life, life challenges, what we can do to opt out and take ownership of ourselves. And we've been having an interesting conversation. You said something at the end. It was kind of funny because we were talking about a lot of completely different things. We were talking about corporate America. We were talking about self-enlightenment. We were talking about physical disabilities. And this conversation went on for about 20 minutes. And at the end of it, you said something very profound. You said meet people and love them where, or no, sorry, not meet people, but accept people and love them where they are. And I just thought that was so beautiful, accept people and love them where they are. Because we spend a lot of time talking about life strategy. What's the best way to get through life? What's the best way to interact with other people? And a lot of times we have resistance and conflict that's unnecessary simply because we refuse to accept what is. We can't, I don't know, either we we can't see it or we can't understand it, and therefore we have to change the way that someone behaves. Then it's kind of like, why are they doing this? Uh, Why are they behaving this way? Why are they intentionally getting under my skin? Why are they arriving late? Uh, Why are they bringing me around my in-laws who are making me feel like I want to jump off a cliff? Uh, Why are they doing all these things to inconvenience me? Uh, Or in family situations, it it could be that you see self-destructive behavior. And you see people, whether they've got addictions to drugs and alcohol, whether they've got problems with anxiety, whether they've got dramas or relationship patterns that they go through, which lead them to the same place over and over again. And it's kind of like you just want to shake them and say, just do things differently. Why are you doing this to yourself? There's a better way to live. I can show you how to do it. And at times that might be necessary. And I think the time it is necessary is when people are looking for help and they come to us and they say, look. I could use your perspective or i could use your advice then there's a certain amount of receptivity to guidance to try things in a different way but outside of those situations if we give unsolicited advice and i've experienced this a lot with family and friends when we do it often it backfires it gets people pissed off it puts a wall between us it leads to conflict uh rarely does it improve a situation so even if you have a valid observation about how someone can better their own lives, they're not necessarily going to take that suggestion. They're not going to reflect on it. They're just going to shut down. They'll be less likely to engage, or it might lead to an argument. And having an agenda when we're dealing with people often prevents us from maintaining good relationships. It prevents us from communicating effectively, uh, from getting through life smoothly, as we often talk about. So if we just go back to what you said, Z, and have that mantra of accept people, just accept them, just accept who they are, their pros, their cons, their limitations, Uh, be able to see them, not even necessarily understand them. Uh, It could be that people are doing things that we feel are pathological. Uh, We don't know why, but we accept that that's what it is. That's how they are. Uh, We can't fathom their psyche. We can't fathom their experiences, uh, the many things that have made some imprint on their consciousness. And even if we could, why would we want to? It's just a big waste of time. But if we can accept them how they are, and if we can love them for who they are, then we can figure out a way to engage with them. Uh, We can have good relationships, harmonious relationships. Uh, There's a much better exchange of human commerce so we can get along, we can get what we need out of a situation, as opposed to coming with a certain agenda or telling people that they've got to work in a certain way. Uh, So that's our topic today. How do we accept people, love them for who they are, and get the most out of the relationships that we have? And so, Z, I know that you've seen this in a lot of different environments. You've seen it personally. You've seen it in some of the therapeutic environments that you're a part of uh, where uh, you've got, uh, we just mentioned, a, a group that works with children who've got physical disabilities uh, and they've got a certain approach. And oftentimes, parents come in and try and alter that approach and that leads to problems. Uh, so you've seen this across the board, but uh, just uh, kick us off, talk a little bit more about this topic, uh, help us understand, what, what does it really mean to accept people the way that they are? then
1: I think about something that this great Tai Chi master, uh, Bo Sim Mark, her son is Donnie Yuen, who plays in a lot of the Kung Fu movies. Hmm? It's Yen. yeah, just Yen. Donnie Yen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't I say that? Yeah, I think that's my master, Ken <laughs> So, Yin. And his mom is Bo Sen Mark. And she really makes it real clear as she deals with different people. She said there are many, many different types of Tai Chi. Many different styles, many different interpretations, but all, if it's Tai Chi, has certain characteristics. And she lists those characteristics. So, when you think about dealing with people, there's all manner of people yet they all have different characteristics that you can look for when you deal with people. There are those who are so mired in egocentrism. There are those who are narcissistic. There are those who are sympathetic. There are those who are um, empathetic. There are all manners of people. What are their underlying characteristics? So when we go to deal with people, first we know what are our tendencies and characteristics. Then you know their characteristics and then you know not to, you learn from there and how not to harass who they are and what they are. Even if you want them to be something else, accept them for their characteristics. And they usually reveal that early on when you deal with them. I was having a discussion with Caitlin today and I was explaining why I screen people that I offer certain services to. Because, uh, in short, I tend to know where that's going to lead us. If you have somebody who is complaining, complains about things, and that tends to be their characteristic, you know how far you can go with them and how far you want to venture with them when you offer them services. Because no matter what you do, they're going to bring with them the characteristics of complaining. Complaining about what, whatever it is. And you can hear it in their voice, in their manner. Or, or they'll say things that are leading. Oh, I went to 10 people. I'm so glad I found you. I went to 10 other people and they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Well, eventually you'll be the 11th person that they complain about. So do you want to deal with them and to what extent do you want to interact with them? You also learn to appreciate your own limitations. If you If you leave the company of people and you're exhausted and you feel unrewarded, that has more to do with you than them. Had you accepted their characteristics, they would have revealed to you certain behaviors, certain things that gnaw at you that you don't really have to deal with. And you can, have a, you can leave in a more sound way. Uh, uh, you're not as drained. It's a bit more peaceful. You know, over the holidays, when you oftentimes feel compelled to do family get-togethers with in-laws, outlaws, whatever. You have to deal with certain people because these are part of tradition, the characteristics of tradition. Find you once a year or twice a year in the company of people you may not really care for. You have nothing in common with, you have no shared interests, but you're supposed to make conversation with them, which is very difficult to do, as you know. It's extremely difficult. And then you may have people who have sentimental attachments to those people that want you to be part of their sentiment, which is even harder to do. So right away, you want to create strategies to limit the amount of energy you give to a situation so when you leave, you don't feel hurt. You don't feel drained. You don't feel beat up. And that's really appreciating the characteristics and stylings of people. So you can say, yeah, I'm going to pay this fee to maintain my relationship. But I'm also going to restrain and hold back a lot of myself so that at the end of this encounter, I don't feel bled. I don't feel depleted. You find that in workspaces, as we were talking, you may have a job that pays well, offers a certain benefit of prestige, But it is not really something that enlivens you. So you put on your mask, you put on your hazmat suit, so to say, to go into that environment. You wave at certain people, you check in, you do the things you have to do, but you have to know when the the limits are. And I'm going to, here's the boundary, here's the border of that city, I'm going to back away because I want to have energy to do the things that I love, that renew me, that give me a great sense of life and living, but I don't want to sacrifice that to the altar of things that don't do anything for me other than give a check. And that's why I used the analogy with you before we were recording of why different cultures look at prostitution different way. When you're in Eastern culture they look at prostitution the same way we look at actors and actresses. That's how they look at it. We don't look down on actresses and act- actors and actresses in this culture Because we understand that they're people of theater, right? And we even admire them. Well, in Eastern culture, the prostitute is the same way. She's putting on an act. She's a performer. And people know that. Even her clients know that, that she's a performer. And she may get an Oscar for that performance, but that's not who she really is. And many people don't even want to know who she is, like we do with actors and actresses. We don't want to know that they're regular people that at the end of their day, um, go home to whatever their life and complain and gripe and groan and smile and cry like everyone else, because we don't pay them for that. But that payment that we do give them for that show allows them to live a somewhat comfortable life or very comfortable life with their friends and family that you're not invited to, and that's okay. So having that understanding of the characteristics of people Will help us navigate relationships better so that we save a greater portion of our life and the life force energy for ourselves and the people in our life that are priceless as i said to you what you do as an artist is priceless you can't put a price on it you can try but it would only be a portion of its worth it will never be worth what a person pays you for your whole self so we find ourselves better off if we if we learn to what our role is in the theater of life, when we deal with different people. And holidays are extremely difficult because you think about all the headache with all the canceled flights. Think about that. All these canceled flights, <coughs> but as time goes on, I'd imagine there will be those brave souls that will, admit, that will admit, I'm glad that flight was canceled. I'm glad it was canceled. I didn't really want to go anyway. So even though I complain, I'm glad I didn't go to see Aunt Marge and her 50 cats and sit there with Uncle Joe and his rantings of a lunatic and pretend that I was okay while I bring my new girlfriend, my new fiance, or whoever to see these people and try to explain to them the hell and chaos I call family. So a lot of people would be relieved that they didn't have to go because it's not a situation that that everyone can really sincerely value, right, your dysfunctional family. And then you bring your spouse to that and it's very taxing and they have to smile on cue, right? You know what I'm talking about, Caitlin, right? Yeah, Sm- yeah. you smile on cue, you, you, you make... It seemed like you're interested in something uninteresting, something you can't even relate to. Oh, that's fair. For what? For the show and the theater of a family get-together. We have that in, in familiar relationships. We have that also in cultural settings, right? That everybody needs to go along with something to fulfill who. And when you step back and you see the different characters playing out, you'll find that very few people benefit from that. It's mainly the narcissist. It's like a religious gathering, right? Everybody goes to a religious gathering, and we're in this religion, and we're going to do this ritual together. And it's mainly the higher-ups in the organization who benefit from the crowd, of minion around them, that make them feel important. Be it your priest, your imam, your rabbi, or whoever. They're the ones who benefit from the show. You don't really get a lot out of it, but you participated out of some dogmatic reflex. Then you leave upset. What I'm suggesting for the sake of well-being is to know yourself really well and to know when you're you're in the theater, when you're the showgirl, the show horse, but also know that you're putting on a show so that you can, when you Finish and you wash off, you change from your showman garment to your regular clothes. Now I own myself. Now I'm okay. If you don't do that, it will hurt for days and days after. Because you're participating in a theater that you don't that, that, that you don't enjoy, that you don't even want to be here. So let's give a part of yourself to that and keep most of that for yourself. Behave clarity. You follow what I'm saying, Vin?
0: Yeah, it's very consistent with the conversation we were having earlier, uh, which is you you go to work and you do a certain job. You don't expect to gain enlightenment or fame or have all your deepest desires come true, which I think is a mistake a lot of people make. I see it with people who are on my team uh, who are younger in their careers and they're trying to get ahead, and nothing wrong with that. But they're also expecting something that the job is not. Uh, they're expecting a glory, friendship, emotional satisfaction, a shoulder to lean on, uh, a sense of validation. But ultimately, you're just going there, you're doing a job, and you're getting something in exchange. You've got to act a certain way. You have to understand what the organization is about. As you're saying, Z, whether it's an organization, it's a get-together, or it's a specific person, you have to understand what they care about what they're comfortable with what their limits are and you represent yourself accordingly and i'll take what you excuse me i'll take what you said a little bit further i don't think it's about misrepresenting yourself and being duplicitous and being someone that uh, you know betraying the core values uh, that you believe in or betraying the essence of yourself it's more recognizing that there are limits in different situations And that to communicate effectively and interact effectively, we have to adapt. So we have to accept what other people bring to the table. We have to accept what the situation is that we're walking into and realize just as we would with different cultures of people, different countries that we visit, that certain things are acceptable, certain things aren't. Uh, So we're not necessarily going to compromise ourselves. We're not going to uh, do things that where we come back home and I'm like, I can't look at myself in the mirror, uh, but maybe there's certain conversations that we don't have. Maybe there's certain time limits that we put in place uh, to minimize the interaction. Uh, Certain topics that we just don't discuss. Uh, Maybe we don't get into politics. And also, you talk about managing yourself. I do think that's very important because when you understand the other person, that allows you to set your own expectations properly. You're not going to expect something from the situation that the other person can't provide uh so if uh, someone you're dealing with is perpetually late then you can adjust you can get there a little bit late instead of sitting there and being angry about it uh if you know that they like a certain type of cuisine uh, fine uh, either you go and you end up eating at uh, mcdonald's uh, or uh, some uh, z maybe in your case you end up going out to a fancy restaurant and eating steak uh, or ordering a plate of broccoli and, and leaves from the kitchen and then go and get a real meal somewhere else. Or you say "The hell with it, I'm not going to participate. You know, I'm not going to try and go and turn this into something it's not and ask for some full-out uh, vegan meal at, in a situation where I know that that's not a possibility. Uh, that's a total waste of time. So I think having that clarity... It helps us. It helps us respect the boundaries and the limits that other people have. It just saves a lot of time. It saves a lot of headaches. Uh, So as a life strategy, to me, that makes a lot of sense. What I want to get into, and I'm curious your perspective on this, is why it's so hard to do that sometimes. Because I've seen this. I mean, I see this, I guess, with myself, as we were talking about earlier, uh, where even though I've accepted a lot of things about about corporate America, there may be certain things that i still don't have complete clarity on uh maybe it's habit uh, maybe it's insecurity uh so i see some of that in myself i see it in other people uh some people that i deal with they just can't let things go and it's almost like if other people don't behave the way that i want them to then i've got to say something about it i've got to take their issue and make it my own issue uh I've seen this in my own family, uh, where you've got people in my family who can't let something go. If they see a behavior in someone else that they don't like, they have to discuss it. They have to dissect it. They have to get into it endlessly. They have to complain about it. Uh, it, I don't know if it's an ego thing. It's just kind of weird. But it's a tendency that seems to be pretty baked in, that if there's behavior that we're not comfortable with, not only... Do we have trouble accepting it and navigating it? But we can't help ourselves sometimes. It's almost like we have to go out and we have to shout it down. We have to prove, it's it's almost offensive, Z. It's almost offensive that other people don't live by my standards. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. I mean, that's the sense that I get when I see the way that uh, certain people interact, uh, that not only do I refuse to accept someone else's behavior, but if that behavior differs from my point of view, I find that offensive and I find that something that I need to actively oppose, even though it does nothing to change the situation and it leads to conflict. So is that something you've seen when you've worked with people?
1: Yeah, a lot, Vin. And I, I tell you why it's so hard because according to some of the you know, classical philosophical texts I read, there's this concept of the divine diplomat. The divine diplomat is able to Embrace and observe the movements of humanity and accept them completely while navigating all the the terrain of humanity. What do I mean by that? We run into people who have really heavy political views, that they want to die for political belief or ideology, that might be totally off the wall. And if you listen to them and stand back and you yourself don't have a dog in that fight, you got, honestly can see how they came to their view, even if it's a failed viewpoint, even if it's a nonsensical bu- viewpoint. You're the divine. And so what do you want to do at the end of it? You want to do your best to either get along with people or not be harassed by people, one or the other, right? We want to get along or be left alone. That's all we want to do. I either want to get along or be left alone. Would you agree, Caitlin? That's kind of like the path, right? So... In in doing that, we have to have a diplomatic way of maneuvering, but the diplomacy doesn't stop one side or another. It also has something to do with our ability to adjust ourselves while staying true to ourselves. So yeah, I can go to a restaurant as a vegetarian, I can go anywhere with anybody. And I've gone to some of the finest restaurants around with dear friends. they may be looking at the steak or the, the unique seafood that's available from around the world or the, the well-prepared meat dishes. Those are not within my dietary formula. So I'll say, this is great. What, do you have any vegetables or things that, that I could eat? And they, there's no problem because you know what? I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with what they're eating and their choices. Because it's not what I'm going to eat, and I'm not in a position where I get hangry. So I'm not in a glycemic thing where I'm so hungry and angry that I got to get some carbs in me, uh, any kind of vegetable carbs or sugar. I, I don't have to do that. I can wait it out. But I've made myself okay. I go to family get-togethers, um, the in-laws and stuff, which are very bizarre. They're very bizarre. Um, there are people that have never really read books. They have no interest in anything outside of their immediate community, their small community. And I can meet them where they're at. But I'm not expecting them to be where I'm at. You see, so that's the I'm striving to be the divine diplomat. Sometimes you're somewhere, all you want to do is get out of there. I just want to get the hell out of here because this is not interesting, but maybe your spouse is very much about nurturing her family relationships or nurturing their family relationship. So they visit aunt so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, daddy this, daddy that, and these people have nothing to talk about or in common that you know about because they have a whole lifetime together. You have whatever time you've been with them together and you just wanna get out and they say, oh, I want you to be a part of this. You go, my God, I feel like I'm dying. I literally feel like somebody has a drill in my head. So I'm going to begin to do dynamic meditation. And I'm going to just listen. And then I'm going to listen to the point where I don't even hear them anymore. And all I hear is the subline. And then I have sympathy for them. Wow, this person missed out on life.
0: What's dynamic meditation?
1: Meditation in the moment where things are going on all around you. And you create the place of solitude in your own mind, in the middle of chaos. You ever seen those action movies where there's all this shooting and drama, then they suddenly start playing classical music as the guns are firing and then it looks like everything's moving in slow motion, the chaos? That's what happens. That's dynamic meditation. You get to witness it all unfold, but yet you miss all the missiles and darts and bullets. You go, yeah, all right, isn't that interesting? That's something else. Where they come to you excited about some cult leader that they're involved in, and you go, wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, I remember being at a family get-together, and one of the family comes and shows me an obviously photoshopped picture of their guru or their uh, cult leader hovering over the White House or something like that, like on a magic carpet. He really did this. I said, oh, isn't that amazing? Just like when I look at my children's cartoon books, and see the cat in the hat and thing one and thing two. I say, oh, that's something else. (laughs) And when you do that, you're no longer trying to teach them, convince them, enlighten them. You're just a visitor. You're just floating through, passing through. And while I'm doing that, while I'm passing through, I'm going to just meditate. They don't know I'm meditating, but I know I'm meditating. That's dynamic meditation, you see? So I'm not pissed off. And you know, I don't even feel like I wasted time because I got time to meditate. That's what you do. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have time to meditate. And they, then when you leave, they say, oh, Kaylin was so nice. Such a quiet girl. But she's really sweet. And you don't even remember being there.
0: <laughs>
1: you see what I'm saying, Vin? That's dynamic meditation. I
0: Wish I would have known that a long time ago.
1: Yeah, well, I'm teaching you now. I'm teaching you and Vin that right now. Dynamic meditation. <laughs> And I heard you on the phone, Vin, when you were talking to me and your wife came and yelled at you and she wanted you to join the family get-together. It was funny as hell. Vin and I were talking, his wife yelled that morning, And Vin was like, oh my God, his stomach turned and everything else. I said, go go do dynamic meditation. You'll, even, you'll, you'll be so immersed in meditation. You'll come up with great things on the, for the podcast. You won't be bitter and angry at your wife. The family will think you were a great guy that's come around to their way of thinking. You see? Ghost protocol. That's what's called the ghost protocol. I wasn't even here, even though I was here. And sometimes that's how you have to deal with it. And that's a good way of being, but it requires you to be the divine diplomat. Everybody either likes you or they're indifferent to you, but everybody respects you. You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Follow you. I like that strategy. I like the branding you've got around it. The ghost protocol, it sounds pretty cool. Kind of badass. The dynamic meditation, I agree. If you can get in that state, then great. You're not wasting time. You're getting something back. So all of that is interesting uh, and useful. I would say, Z, just another observation I have is that when you really accept, that's probably the most effective way to change someone. When you accept and you don't say shit. You're just there. You're just there listening. You're around. You're doing what you have to do. And all this drama is playing out around you and people are going through whatever they go through. And in that state of acceptance, it's like you become a mirror and you can reveal to someone else what they're going through. And if they're doing things that are self-destructive, if they've got views that are completely insane, I think they're more likely to realize that if you're in a state of acceptance, you're not trying to sway them in one direction or another. Uh, because you're kind of a blank slate. Whatever they're spewing out, they've got a canvas where they can see it without any alteration. And eventually someone can judge for themselves whether what they're doing makes sense or not, and perhaps uh, move differently than, than they've been operating. Uh, so you and I, it's interesting, because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about this mutual friend that we have, where we both went through this experience uh, with this person. Uh, she was upsetted both of us for various reasons and cut contact or pushed us away a little bit uh, for maybe uh, the last four or five months. And then suddenly we get phone calls and apologies like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have judged you. I was going through a lot on my own and it was clouding the way that I was seeing you. And I assumed that you were trying to to get something from me or get some business deal from me when you actually weren't Uh, You were just there supporting me. Uh, And it was kind of funny because you and I were debriefing about this, and neither of us knew that this was going on. (laughs) You know, like we were just there. We are just there doing our thing, being who we are. Uh, And uh, the the friend that we have was going through what she was going through. Uh, And the resolution of that, the entire process from the inception uh, to the drama to the pinnacle, uh, the denouement perhaps to the resolution happened without us doing anything. We just sat there. We talked when she wanted to talk. Uh, we backed off. When she backed off, we didn't force ourselves on her. And uh, this whole situation naturally worked itself out. So I thought that was very interesting. I don't know if this is an extreme example. Uh, m- maybe there are others that you come into, or if this is something more common. But but just by being there, I mean, it, Maybe that's what healing is about. Um, and maybe we're getting a little bit off topic, but I do think it's related uh, that whatever we're going through, I mean, we as people, if we're going through pain or turmoil, or we're in a condition where we don't know what the right thing is to do, and we're causing distress to ourselves or the people around us, sometimes maybe those things have to work out in their own way on their own time. Like there's a natural progression. Uh, and as long as someone follows that progression, then they can get to a point of healthiness. Uh, They can get through whatever the turmoil is that they're facing, whatever the drama is that's in their mind. But to do that, it's like you can't feed the drama. You as an observer, as that divine diplomat that you're mentioning, have to be there in this state of acceptance, in a state of not judging. And by doing that, you give the storms around you the opportunity to work themselves out, to naturally work at, work out themselves out at, at their own time, uh, go through whatever course of events they have to go through. Whereas if you're fighting that storm and you're trying to control it, it's almost like you're feeding it and you're putting more energy into it and you're prolonging it. So those are some of the things that, I, that, that come to my mind as we're talking about acceptance and we're talking really about this divine diplomat concept, which I think is a very cool way of putting it. Uh, but do you have any thoughts on that, Z? You know, acceptance as being uh, sort of a, a mirror or a space where people can heal themselves.
1: Yeah, until and, unless people are really working on themselves, which not everybody is is working on themselves. They're working on other people or things. They're externalizing so much that's going on with them. When you turn inward, that's the beginning of being on a path of self enlightenment. And that is a journey that you will be on for the rest of your life because it doesn't end. It just evolves and you become better at navigating the terrain because there are certain things that you will see over and over. Like the lessons you need to learn, you, those lessons will show up over and over again. And it's, it's like uh, shooting at targets, right? Uh, when you shoot at targets, let's say you miss the target, right? The target didn't move. So you're going to have to adjust your targeting and compensate for your flawed view of things, right? So it's it. I'm talking in terms of any types of uh, marksmanship, be it shooting a bow and arrow, shooting a gun. They have something called windage and elevation, right? So that represents the distance and 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 dynamic variables of nature, and you make small adjustments so you can always hit your target. So, too, when you move through life, in order to be on your journey and to reach your various milestones, you have to stay on target. To stay on target, you're always adjusting your windage and elevation, the gravity of the situation and the circumstances around that. So, when you deal with people, family, co-workers, things like that, what is our, what are the milestones of our journey to be as stress-free and as... Healthy as you can as you move from point to point. How do we get along, or not be bothered by? How do we not harass and interrupt? How do we get? To, how do we cultivate relationships, especially in the world we live in now that is filled with divisive things and filled with kind of mass ignorance and mass hysteria? Um, it's definitely the zombie apocalypse in a sense, or. The, the, the day of the walking dead or something. So you have to navigate through the zombie apocalypse by keeping a clear head and keeping your eye on where you wanna be while considering the dynamic variations in things, the, the gravity of situations and the circumstances, the, wind, the winds that move around that, those dynamic circumstances. But if you're not clear headed, you'll get caught up in all this stuff. You'll find yourself arguing, bickering, road rage, angry, fighting, divorcing, all this kinds of stuff because you lost your way in all of that. And you can't control anyone else in this world but you. Even if you have control over a person, it is very short-lived, right? And it's based on liability, uh, managing liability. That's why people stay with people they don't like. That's why people find themselves at jobs that aren't that fulfilling because they're managing liability, not gift. They're managing liability, and people leave that security that the liabilities have afforded them, because they're willing to take a leap of faith and trust that whatever they love or do will sustain them. But if you can't fully trust that, then what you find yourself doing. Hold on. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. So you want to really work on that, that way that you hit your targets point to point. So let's say you're going to a family get together. How do I get there and get back without arguing with my spouse? Real simple. That's your target is to have an uneventful evening or uneventful weekend. What about at work? I want to get from Monday to Wednesday without Blowing somebody's brains out or losing my mind. So you read the atmosphere. That's your windage. You be very clear on where you're trying to get to and what's in front of that. That's your elevation, right? So you're adjusting those so you can hit your target. So we, if, we, if we learn anything from that, we learn the power of dynamic meditation. We operate in, in rough situations. We follow a ghost protocol right? And we're okay at the end of that. We can save that good energy for these creative, holistic, and wonderful things that we're doing. To My thing is, what can I do in my life that I reflect upon at the end of my days and say, I did my part to mitigate human suffering. I made friends. I elevated people. I helped people be healthy. And so everything else isn't really a priority to me, right? So for you, you're doing your amazing spoken word project. You're finding your own truth of self. You're leaving a, 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 a very unique legacy for your girls. And you just want to do as, that and, and, and deal with how you can keep clear of the things that take away from that. Right? That's it. Right? That's it. So striving for clarity... Knowing that arguing will never make people change. You can't argue a person into submission. Because when you argue with a person, even if you win the argument, you win a lot of resentment. Part of the prize you win of patting yourself on the back and say, I got you, is you have resentment. It's like the other day when I was talking to Hev, right? And Hev was going to tell me about health stuff and things like that. I know I know a lot about health. I know uh, uh, I, I have a lot of proof of life in what I, my knowledge of health. I'm constantly advancing my knowledge, and I live it. Right Before this, I was getting in a little workout, right? Hey, I'm getting in a little workout. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that all the time. I'm fasting right now. I'm involved in a fast. So I live what I talk about, then I share it with others. I get nothing out of beating a man down and belittling someone because maybe they have a certain dogma that they follow or religious views that they follow. I I don't get anything out of that because I've subdued my ego enough to know that a person losing doesn't mean victory to me. If I beat someone, I learned that years ago in martial arts. You've seen me train with people. Caitlin, you've seen me. People come in and they tell me how tough they are, and then I'll beat them up, right? But I don't beat them up so much that they never come back. I beat them up enough so they want to come back and learn, befriend, support our community. Is that right? See it over and over. Over and over. And then at the end of the day, the end of the uh, at the end of the year, what do we have? We have better Qigong teachers, better Tai Chi teachers. We have people who are fit. Look at John, came here not so healthy. Now he's a healthy guy that's very fit. His martial technique is very good, right? Chris, another one him and uh, Pretty Tony work out together. Pretty Tony's a Sifu and Chris is right behind him. This is what we want to do. We don't want to alienate potential allies. And if we have enemies, we want them to feel that this isn't a place worthy of attacking. That's Sun Tzu art of war. We don't want negativity focused on us. We want them to turn that in on themselves. So that's how we work. You follow me, Vin?
0: Yes, as we're talking, I'm thinking more generally about this issue of ego and control. Because so much of what we're talking about, you take Hev as an example, my producer who you were talking about a minute ago, and you said that you've subdued the ego enough where you don't take any pleasure in beating someone else down. And you're right. If you had gone after him, it would have created a problem. It might have created a problem for me. Then I probably would have come back to you and said, look, can you talk to Hev? and make him feel a little a little bit better and so it just would have been a big waste of time Uh, but the reason that you're able to navigate that is because of ego control and not needing to beat someone down to elevate yourself so i think of this issue of acceptance and getting back to what we were talking about earlier the reason this is so hard so much of it has got to be ego because i look at how people roll And control is such a big part of what we do. It's like we want certainty. We want predictability. We want things to work out exactly the way that we want them to work out. I see people who make phenomenal amounts of money. I almost feel like part of the reason that they make that money is it gives them a license to treat other people like crap. So then they can feel that they're big because they're kicking someone else around or they're complaining Uh, because they don't have enough ice cubes in a glass or the umbrella isn't in the right place over uh, the seat that they're lounging on. Uh, It's kind of this perverse pleasure that we take in elevating ourselves by pushing things around us down, by trying to make sure that the world conforms to our expectations, trying to make sure that we're not going to be surprised. Uh, And I've got to imagine, Z, it's just this This sense of fear, maybe, that gets in the way of acceptance. This fear that unless we are able to control, like, almost think about riding a horse. Uh, You know, if you've got your hand on the reins, you feel that you're in control and you know where you're going. As soon as you let go, you don't know what's going to happen. You could get thrown off. Uh, The horse uh, could start running off a cliff. It could take a hard left. It could do all sorts of things. But we want to maintain that firm grip on life and force it to do what we want it to do. And part of that perhaps is fear. Part of that is ego, both of which are false, by the way, Uh, because in life, just as we're talking about with people, you observe that you're never going to be able to convince someone by beating them down. And to the extent that you can, you're going to engender a lot of animosity. You're going to create an enemy. So it doesn't serve you. Uh, Same thing in life. I mean, yeah, there's certain things that we can do to create a comfortable environment, but so much is beyond our control. Uh, that's just the nature of life. Things change. Uh, life, by definition, is dynamic. When we get out of that dynamic state, and we're in stasis, that's death. Uh, that's when we're not living anymore. So, just the act of living means that there's a certain amount of change. Uh, there's a certain amount of unpredictability, and. That's what makes life beautiful, because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, There are opportunities all over the place if we look out for them. We can get ourselves into interesting situations. I'm now hanging with a crew of people that I never would have imagined meeting who come from completely different backgrounds, and it's great. I mean, they know me in a way that people who've known me for 30 or 40 years don't understand me uh, because we relate on a different wavelength. But that's about being open to different opportunities and directions that life can take you. Uh, whereas if you're so focused on, oh, things have to evolve in a certain way, then you miss out on a lot of that richness. You create a lot of anxiety, uh, and yeah, maybe you get a nice steady progression, but it's a steady march towards death. You don't do things that are interesting. Uh, you don't get into situations where you've got non-linearities. Uh, where you can go from having nothing to having a tremendous amount. You can have a huge impact on the world because you're open to the fact that things are going to change and they're in flux. And when you see an opportunity, you can strike, but you're not necessarily going to force the world into submission because you realize that that's something that's impossible to do. Uh, Similarly, when we think about acceptance, that's really what it is. It's recognizing that the way that people are, the way that the world is, what motivates others – is not something that we can control, it's not something that we can fathom, it's not something that we wanna waste our time trying to explain, it doesn't serve any purpose. Uh, And in fact, we can get a lot more out of people, going back to the beginning of this conversation, we can get a lot more out of people when we accept them and love them the way that they are versus trying to fit them into a certain box or mold them into a particular image. Uh, But again, Z, uh, to me, a lot of this gets back to ego and the fear Talk about that a little bit. I know you touched on that a minute ago, but are there things that we can do? I guess what exercises would you prescribe to to get us beyond that and into more of an accepting state?
1: Well, before I do that, Vin, I have to go back a little bit. I'm smiling and I'm just kind of held on to that smile and what caused it. I think about the people you're working with now who really enjoy you and know you only as a spoken word artist and how your voice sounds with them and how they speak of you really brings me a lot of, uh, just, just a lot of happiness, a lot of joy. You found friends at this point in your life. You have friends and that's what I wanted for you. Um, we have family and we are born into families through a whim of fate and a moment of lust, and we have a family. And we're bound to them because we're familiar with them, we're around them, we're close to them, and we learn to accept them even though they have nothing in common with us. But you choose your friends, and they choose you. And you have to earn the friendship. And I think that's a beautiful thing for you. Because when I hear the guys you work with, I, I, I reached out to your producer to share a picture with him of uh, some work I was doing. And he was really grateful that he was part of this community that we are part of. But just the way he speaks of you as if you guys have been friends all your life. You know what I mean? I really enjoy that that you have that in your life. I just wanted to say that. Now you asked me about what can we do? Um, What's an exercise? Again, the exercise is always restraining the ego and knowing certain things that you put up in your mind, little phrases or words that flash up. People change because they have an overwhelming benefit. believe there's an overwhelming benefit to them to change. They don't change because you want them to change. They'll change because they either gain something or they don't want to lose something. They don't change because you yell, scream, uh, cajole them, or threaten them. They won't change because you present facts. Not in the day and age we live in. People don't care about facts if it doesn't fit their narrative. They change because there's a benefit. Once they change from that benefit, then they realize the benefit of change. And then they'll make changes in their life. You can present, I talked to you last week about why people fear the scale, the weighing scale. People are scared to get on scale. I have a scale here. So I don't want to get on that. I don't want to get on that. Well, it's just a scale and it's going to give you real raw data about your weight and your physical well-being. People say, I don't want to look at that. I don't even want to see that because people don't like facts because the facts get in the way of how they feel. The feelings are tethered to their ego and they don't want to deal with that. So they have to be somewhat brave or courageous within their own biome to say, I'm going to face it and deal with it. That's the beginning of courage. I'm going to face it and deal with it. And most people are cowards until they worked on it. You have to grow and you're not born a hero. You have to work on that. Heroes are made by their daily actions and behavior, by facing what's in front of them. And when, thing, when circumstances come, they rise to the occasion that they're already prepared to do. When you see tragic situations in life, most people run, a large number of people watch, but very few people act and do anything. Because those people act and do anything, they've been doing that all along. The guy that may open a door or offer his services to somebody just to do it is going to be the same person that would go and rescue a baby. The person that pushed somebody out of the way Uh, cut you in line, they're going to be the same one that watches the baby burn. People aren't that interesting. So if we want to exercise the courage in us, the heroism in us, we do it with little things. Step on the scale, share something with a friend, ask for help, admit what you don't know. Those are all the buildings of a hero. So work on that. Face that part of yourself. And then when you talk to people, listen. And you can tell rather quickly when you're in a conversation with people where they're coming from. You can tell almost right away when you talk to people. They'll mention their political affiliations or they'll say, I've said this before, they'll say, oh, you know the damn liberals. Or they'll say, you know the damn conservatives. Right there, you know where they're coming from. You don't have to go much further. So now you can adjust and, and you can adjust your trim on how you want to go move left or right of them or whatever it is to just get out of that situation or get into the situation but not be damaged because of it. Just be a good listener. And people will reveal themselves. And then when you open up, then you will reveal yourself to them if they're good listeners. A lot of people aren't good listeners. So start with being a good listener and not just listening with your ears, but being able to read the environment, read the terrain, observe, be a good observer, be that dispassionate observer. And then you can find a way to maneuver around that or through it and get the most out of it. Let's say you're dealing with a coworker that is jockeying for something. Listen, and you'll see. Don't, don't offer anything or take away anything. Hand them a, hey, you want a cup of coffee? How do you like it? They'll tell you more about themselves. And then you listen and they're reading you. Hey, they're gracious and they'll decide whether you're, your graciousness is of weakness or strength. They'll project that onto you. They won't know either one. They'll project that onto you. And let them project. And then you hold your space, hold your clarity. When it comes to dealing with family members, it's always difficult. You have um, troubled family workers, problematic family. Um, Accept them. Accept them for who they are. Don't have high, crazy expectations that they're gonna suddenly learn a lesson or you're gonna teach them something or you're gonna beat this information into them. All you'll do is leave frustrated. It's like the old saying, don't try to teach a pig to sing. You waste the pig's time and you'll frustrate yourself, right? So we want to do dynamic meditation, practice the ghost protocol of dealing with people so that we can be more enlightened and we can create more harmony in our environment that lowers our stress. And when again, when you have high stress levels, especially in your domestic life, and, and where let's put it this way, the more stress you have over time, the more it damages your brain. So, what I found is when you're stressed for a long time, you become forgetful. Then, after forgetfulness, you lose train of thought, which is the beginning of mental damage. Heart, Har- Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, all that. They are born of that. That's why ranting lunatics tend to always be ranting lunatics, but the people that are close to them are the ones that suffer the most because they're trying to restrain the rantings of the lunatic. So you have to accept the lunatic. So if you have a ranter in your family, allow them to rant and don't try to chase it because you will be the one left crazy. You will die first. You see what I'm saying? So leave them alone. Let them be accept them for who they are, and manage through that. Adjust your windage and elevation and hit your target daily. You want to get from point A to point B with the least encumberment. So that basic exercise is keep those words in in the front of your mind, like an image in your mind. I'm going to be accepting. I'm going to listen. I'm going to observe. I'm going to conserve my energy. So that means be very frugal with your words. Because what? If you argue with them, they will not learn from that. If you prevent, f- present facts, they won't learn from the facts. If it doesn't fit their narrative, the facts don't matter. When you practice this, you will find more like people like you than not. You will find that you can create a, a kind of a micro-community of people that are share your sentiment, your way of thinking, your consciousness, your characteristics, like Tai Chi. No matter what Tai Chi it is, it still has the same characteristics. And that's what we want to be around. And then there you build the energy of a healthy, supportive community, as you've done already, Vin. With your spoken word project, at this point in your life, you have developed true friendships with people. Isn't that something?
0: Yeah, it, I think what's amazing to me is uh, not just the friendships, because uh, I'm pretty good at getting along with people. And uh, at different points in my life, I, usually I know people from different situations, and I can I can find some way to to relate to them. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that people I'm meeting, there was one guy who was driving me to the airport and I started talking to him and had a 45 minute conversation with him and then talked to him again. We kept in touch. I talked to him a few weeks later. And in those two conversations, he probably knows me better than people I've known for 10 years, 20 years uh, for people who, uh, some people in my family, uh, not, not everything about me. I mean, you, you got a uh, a selected view, but the things that are fundamental to me that I care about, he knows better and he relates to better than a lot of people who've been in my life for an extremely long period of time, and, and that is something that shocks me. Uh, and maybe it shouldn't, but it's it's shocking and and it's also pretty cool. But maybe part of it is this letting go of control, just opening up, because those sorts of conversations I wouldn't have had in the past. Uh, I think that's maybe where I've evolved quite a bit, uh, where I've started to recognize how I can differentiate myself, how I can navigate different types of people in different types of situations, whereas in the past, maybe it was all the same. Whoever I was talking to, it was the same set of topics, the same presentation of myself, now I can hold back where I need to, I can pivot, I can accelerate in certain directions. If, if I know the person is amenable to it, I can feel them out and see where this thing is going. And, and it becomes very freeing uh, because I don't waste a lot of time trying to talk to people about things uh, where they don't care, we don't have a, a common interest. Uh, but people where I do find that solidarity or that like-mindedness, we can develop those connections very quickly. Uh, which is which is great, um, which I think is what you're what you've observed uh, as I've gone through this project.
1: That's right, Vin, and that's one of the most beautiful things is closeness and connection with people from the from from a heart place where nobody has really a heavy agenda for why they're dealing with you. There's no um, uh, asymmetry in the exchange. You don't feel drained or used. That's when you know you're in the company that's when you're with your peeps, right? That's when you're really with your people. And they could be anywhere. Like the, the Buddha says, uh, if you see the Buddha on the street, kill him, because whatever you thought it was, isn't. Um, there's a term that, that, that I learned years ago called common sages. And a common sage is your sage, your personal sage, not somebody you read about in a book, not some deity on an altar, but the manifestation of that in real life, your personal Sai Baba, your personal Lakshmi, your personal Abraham. And I find that all the time with people. You know, I'm hanging out with this young man named Peace, and he is teaching me so much about economics and in a a different kind of way than I've ever learned and how he sees the world. And uh, just an interesting guy that under normal circumstances, I would have ran away because he looked like little Wayne or something like that. But he's A brilliant young man that now I feel like, wow, I I, I feel like I'm talking to a son who's returned to his dad after traveling the world and sharing news of the world, right? He's like educating the old man on the way things are nowadays. And it's really nice. We have a parking attendant that works um, at the restaurant next door. And every now and then we have interesting conversations about life and raising kids. And for years he had told me he had a lot of problems with his son and um, he was worried that his son would end up in jail. He had got uh, caught up in gangs and he was very disrespectful in the house and he was gonna be forced to kick his son out of the house. And he would always share and talk to me. And mind you, he's the parking attendant, right? So he has a, a menial job. And over the years I've said, hey, I gave him the combination. So he'll take care of our parking lot and sometimes he'll rent it out and make a few dollars and he'll split it with me or something. But we have this mutually beneficial relationship. And he came to me the other day and said, my son came, he went to the army and doing good and we talked again. And he said, my, my son got to visit. He's in the army and he got to visit. Him and I went to the gun range together. He showed me what he learned about guns in the army. We talk a lot about life. And you know what, see, he apologized to me for hurting me. And he said, I, 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 I could not ask for more. And my son, he feels, I feel like I have my son back. He's grown up into a man. I'm not worried about him going to jail every night or being in gangs or drugs. And, and I'm really, I'm worried about him being in the army, but I'm proud of him as a human being. And it was a good idea. You shared with me a few years ago, a good idea. And I did that. And he said, I'm going to take him to the airport in a few days. I said, did you tell him how you feel? He says, oh, no, we don't talk like that. I said, he's in the army and you're getting, anything can happen every day. So if your son died, what would you want to say to him? He said, I tell him everything that was in my heart. I said, he's not dead. Tell him everything that's in your heart. And the look on that man's face and the glow in his face, and we just shared almost a tear, you know? And he's like one of my common sages. So I he reminds me to do the same thing with the people I love. And he did, and it felt much better. And so you'll find that too. So I would say with the driver of that car, whoever you got to know, nurture that because those are the people that we are mirrors of who we are. So we're sharing lessons with them. They're sharing lessons with us. And it allows us to be better, it reduces our stress, keeps us healthy. You follow what I'm saying, Van?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd follow it 100%. Uh, I'm living it right now. Uh, And if we have that acceptance, I think just in closing Z, one thing that's occurring to me, the other beautiful thing about acceptance is that we can drop the resentment. Because if you don't accept, you are automatically in a state of resentment. You're in a state of opposition, and that opposition prevents an actual relationship or a connection. So you drop that, you get to the acceptance state. One, you're more free. It's like a weight coming off of you. But two, you're just that much more receptive. You can meet people where they are, as we talked about. You can find ways to relate to them. You can get a lot more out of situations, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if we can carry that mantra, just focus on what's important to us, focus on observing the situation, being aware of where other people are, where their boundaries are. Uh, It's a much better way to navigate uh, different situations.
1: And again, when you meet people where you're at, you just said something, when you meet people where they're at, you don't have resentment. And I was told by one of my great teachers that resentment is like drinking poison hoping the other person will die. You don't need resentment towards anyone. Even if it's an enemy that you are in a battle of life and death and you prevail, they're dead and gone. There's no reason for resentment. If that enemy hurts you, you you form strategies to mitigate that and to avoid the hurt. But get rid of the resentment because it poisons you more than the person you resent. Be free of resentment, free of revenge, right? They have a term called Dane guilt, right? From the Viking tradition where it's generational rage, where you want to hurt people generations later. My great-grandfather hurt your great-grandfather. Now I have to hurt you. That's dang guilt. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing. And it's a sick thing that, that undermines the quality of your life. So what I would say to all of us is we practice dynamic meditation, manage our way, or navigate through people. We do want to get rid of resentment. And resentment will, will multiply itself. And you'll find yourself resenting people that didn't even do anything to you. You resent people for what they didn't do for you. You resent people because you want them to come through for you in a certain way, and they don't even know that you're resenting them. I see things oftentimes uh, people will say, you know, I, I, I will write or see articles that involve a time or something I was into. And people say, not aren't you mad at that person for misrepresenting you? I say, No, not at all. That's their reality. That's their reality of a moment. I can't change their view of a moment. And we only know people in the way that we know them. Like there are people that I know that I've worked with over the years that I've never been to their home, right? I have people in the music that I worked with closely in life and death situations and dramatic situations. I've never had a had meal with them, but I worked with them. So in my job, I worked with them. So I don't know enough about them to be resentful, or why they state themselves a certain way. There may be other things behind it that I'm not privy to. So again, you let it go, because how does it affect your daily life? It affects your ego, because the ego can be easily harassed. But the higher consciousness and the enlightened person, the person striving for self-realization, they, they carry little bags with them. You follow me, Van?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, The resentment, it's it's something, it's like another pathogen. We've got this environment now where we're breathing air uh, that has pollution. It's got cigarette and marijuana smoke. We're dealing with onslaughts in all directions. Too much stimulation. It's like, why not remove whatever burden we can? Uh, Why do we need to to create toxins that attack ourselves? And and that to me is what resentment is.
1: In closing, Vin, I love that because we got enough problems, right? We got enough, and we we got bad food, bad air, bad water. We don't need to have bad feelings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. Look forward to to hanging out with everybody in the future. Check us out at Dharma Media. At My Century Project and the Dharma Health Institute. Check out Lyme with the mic and i um, looking forward to chopping it up with you again.
0: Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com Peace.